turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. As we're going there, just um, want to share with you a couple of things as far as church is concerned. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we'll have somebody here leading worship. Uh, his name is Alan Schuster. Uh, Alan is um, an individual. Alan and Rachel both live in Johannesburg, South Africa. They're friends of Susan and ours and mine. Uh, I met Alan 17 years ago uh, in Midrand Chapel, and he was um, the youth director there at the time, and and a wonderful opportunity of ministry. We ministered with Alan for uh, seven of, of our years in Africa, and I got a phone call the other day, and somebody was asking for a reference from, for Alan Schuster, and so I called a couple different times to the individual who was calling, and nobody ever answered the phone. And so um, I text, or actually Facebook, Alan and Rachel. I said, Alan, uh, what's going on? I, I didn't know, you know, I knew they was involved in a church in, in uh, Randburg in South Africa where we used to live. And uh, Rachel said that Alan would, would call me. Uh, long story, so Alan called me um, a couple weeks ago. And I said, well, what are you, what's God doing? Where are you all going? What's the plan? And he said, well, we're looking for an opportunity to be involved in worship and uh, be involved in leadership in a church. And I said, well, interesting. I said, can you send me your resume? And um, so he did. The elders have been talking. And so Alan will be here next Sunday. He's going to lead worship uh, here at Bible Fellowship Church. That doesn't mean anything. Um, but uh, he is coming to candidate as a possible worship leader here at Bible Fellowship Church. Uh, his wife, Rachel, will not be with them. They have four children. Uh, they have uh, two of their own biological children. And then they've adopted two boys uh, from Africa, and so uh, they, she could not travel, uh, that being away, she couldn't be away from her family that long, so um, uh, we'll let Alan lead worship Sunday, uh, if you'd like to come back Sunday night, uh, Alan will be here as well, um, just answering some questions, sharing his testimony, sharing about his life, and uh, so um, see where the Lord leads all this, obviously, uh, this is something that, you know, is very uh, sensitive to my own personal life, I've been working with Harry for the last 10 years. I've known Harry for a long time, so personally I'm not excited about changes. And uh, he knows that, And uh, so, uh, but we'll see what God has planned uh, for the ministry of Bible Fellowship Church. So if you hear somebody up front next week with a South African accent, uh, it will be Alan. He will not speak to you in Afrikaans. He will speak to you in English, uh, even though he can speak Afrikaans. But uh, just a neat couple, so we'll see where the Lord leads us. Uh, also, I want to make sure that you're aware of, um, I got this information in between, uh, Stacy Schmale's grandfather's not doing well, uh, so we need to pray that God would take him home soon. And then some of you know Judy Goodwin, uh, Don and Judy. Judy had a stroke, has been in Tampa for a long time, been transferred to a rehabilitation center. She's not doing well at this point. So they've asked us to be praying for um, uh, Don and Judy. And also, it's just kind of neat to see... Uh, Lisa and Trevor here, they have their new little one with us, and so it's good to see the halls in church this with us this morning. Appreciate y'all. excited about what God has planned for you guys, and um, sometime we'll get a picture of their family, and we'll put it on the screen so you can see their beautiful little baby, but uh, excited about what God has in the ministry that they're involved in in school, and so just uh, thank the Lord for them. First Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 6 is where we're going to pick it up today. As we open this morning... I recognize that all of us over the years of our lives had different individuals that we were involved with or 
our favorite possibly teacher, coach, friend, a neighbor, grandma, grandparent, whatever. Somebody would come alongside of you and say, hey, encourage you with a word and then you'd be willing to do whatever for that person. Uh, it could have been your teacher, coach, a family friend, but there's just somebody in your life over the years that uh, would say to you, hey, would you do this? And you were just really excited about opportunity to serve that person. They, they just encourage your life. And so I've been thinking about this week, and, and I've got names in my mind to share with First Hour. We had a teacher, Mrs. Flickinger. She was just a great, whatever she said, I did. You know, all the other teachers, I really wasn't interested, but whatever she said, I was interested in. Uh, coach Hans was my basketball coach over the years, and uh, whatever he asked me to do, I did. It didn't matter to me what it was. You know, if he wanted you to play this spot, that spot, just play. And whatever he said to me, I wanted to do change, and then I would work on, you know, making the changes in, in my own life, playing basketball for him. So different people that have meant a lot to me, and different people that I'd be willing to follow wherever they would lead me, just because of their investment in my life. As I come to this passage of Scripture, you get Paul sharing with Timothy, and he's going to give some investment. He's going to ask this church to do some things that some of them are going to choose, some of them aren't be interesting to know, and I can't do this, it would be interesting to go to heaven now, sit down with a group of believers that Paul was talking to at Ephesus and have a conversation. How did you handle this peer pressure? When Paul said to you in this church, do this, how did you all deal with it? How many of them actually followed through? How many of the people that heard these words said, you know what, I'm not interested? No thanks, Paul. That's great advice for Timothy, but I'm not buying into it. What's exciting for me today is you gather together as a family, we have the cross behind us, and you've got a choice to make. Will you follow him or won't you? What I know is true about every single one of us, we will be gone sooner than late. When we see Jesus for the first time, what will his words be to you? What will your words be to him? What do you want him to say? What do you want him not to say? What's interesting? You'll make a choice today. And when you take your last breath, and when you look at him face to face, your choices today will be his response to you in the years to come. The way I live my life today will directly affect what he's going to say to me as a son. And so as I look at this passage of scripture, I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking that Paul's saying something to a group of believers. He's saying, here, here's some advice. Here's some things that I want to give to you. And as a group of believers, they had to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice today too. We're going to read some verses. We're going to talk about some words in a verse. And you're going to have to make a choice. When you walk out of this room, you're going to be walking out. As you look at the cross, as you leave and you exit these doors, will you accept them or will you reject them? Will you be the one that walks out of these doors and say, you know what, God, I really like your word, but I have no interest in doing what you want me to do. And so by your choices, you're just going to live in rebellion. Ah, I'm not interested. If you're here this morning and you're living in rebellion, I'd ask you this question, is he really your father? How long can you live in rebellion before he says, hey, by the way, I want to get your attention? Most of you had parents. When you told your parents what to do, did you get what you wanted? When your parents asked you to do something and you didn't do it, what happened? Most of us suffer consequences. Most of us, since, you know, some of us are older, you can still, you know, we got spanked. 
So the question is, is how long will you say, God, I'm not going to live the way you want me to live? And guess what? If you're willing to say that, he's willing to spank you. He loves you enough to say, hey, I'm going to put this into your life so you have a wake-up call. Look at this passage of Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. If you, put, if you point these things out, so Paul's going to tell Timothy, here's some things I want you to point out to your brothers. You will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and good teachings that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is, is, is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is, Paul saying, this is a trustworthy statement and deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, that we have hope, that we put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially those who believe. Paul's going to share some advice with Timothy. He's going to say, Timothy, if you want to be a good minister, Timothy, if you want to be a good son or daughter, if you want to follow Jesus, here's some things I want to make, here's some suggestions I have for you. The first thing he says to Timothy is, Timothy, I'm going to point out opportunities or things that you see in your life that you can look back on by faith and make them part of your life. Look at this. I point out these things. What did Timothy? What did he point out to Timothy? That you are a minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in what? Truths of the faith and good teaching that you have followed. You want to write some words, you want to put a couple words around this. I would put sound doctrine around this, this chunk of scripture. Hey, Timothy, you've been brought up with good teaching. Timothy, you've been brought up with good information. What is really amazing to me as I look at that passage, those little, those, that verse, Timothy, not only did he know truth, not only was he taught truth, Timothy followed truth. How much of what we know do we follow? How much do the generation that we're growing up, church, Christianity in America, how much of the information do we know are we following? There's a lot of people that have been brought up with good truth, brought up with faith, but they're not following. How many of you are sitting in this room, including myself, no biblical information, and it's just right here. It hasn't made it to here. We know what is right in our thinking. That's important. Knowledge is important. But it's not, in, if, if I'm going to be a minister, a good minister, if I'm going to be a son that follows my dad, it's not just good enough to know about my father. That's important. But there needs to be enough faith in my life to follow my father. I shared this with First Hour, and I'll share it with you. If you have some time, and I know Wednesday, Wednesday night ministry is going to start up, I would just ask you to come here on a Wednesday night and walk around and start praying that God would give people faith to be obedient to the Word of God. Walk past the children's ministry wing. Go outside, watch the little people that are running around, and just stand there. You don't have to interact. If you want to interact with them, that's fine. You don't have to interact with them. Just stand there and say, God, would you by faith allow that young man to follow the truth of the Word of God? God, would you by faith allow that young lady to follow the truth of the Word of God? Ask God. Say, God, do a work in these little people's lives. 
so that they will have faith that you and I didn't have. See, you and I have had knowledge over the years, but we haven't followed it. We try to figure out in our own strength. We made our own choices. They say, well, well, God, this will work out. And sometimes it's not too bad. And other times it really, really hurts, doesn't it? Sometimes we try to figure it out and we've suffered the consequences of those choices. I don't want to be too too um, hard or downing this morning, but I just, as you think about God making your life new, has he done it? Does God mend the broken heart? If we're honest, there's not one of us sitting here that's not broken heart. And there's not one of us sitting in this room, if it wouldn't be for the grace of God, we would be in a lot of different places. And if we're a little bit more practical, there's some that have been involved in sin this week, and if it wouldn't be for the grace of God, we'd be really being trouble. So it's interesting, we've gathered as a family, brothers and sisters, we've gathered as a family, and we've got some advice from us. We got some advice from Paul to a young man, Timothy, to a church in Ephesus, saying, hey, Timothy, here's some advice for you. Here's some things that I want to share with you. Here's some things I would think would be beneficial to the family members that were alive when this book was written. You ever wonder which dad was listening to Paul? As Paul shared with Timothy and the word came to Timothy and Paul stands up and gives out the word. You ever wonder which dad would have wished he would have listened? You ever wonder which dad 10 years later said, man, if I would just would have listened to what Paul told Timothy when Timothy read that letter to us, Wish I would have listened. Opportunity for you this morning. The truths of the faith, the good teaching that you have, are you willing to follow by faith? Something else is very interesting. Paul says to Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Hey, Timothy, don't follow that stuff. Have nothing to do with it. Tells that group of believers, have nothing to do with it. If you think about what are the, the, the different things, as I, as I think about myths and wise tales, and I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to understand all these old myths and wise tales, here's one that I'll give you from my South African culture. Um, over the years when we were in South Africa, there's a lot of people that we would talk to them about Jesus, and they would you know, talk, but there's something I found very interesting. In one culture in South Africa, all of their beds were this far off the ground. And I'd ask them, why is your bed that far off the ground? Well, there's a takalosh monster. I said, a takalosh monster. Yeah, he'll eat us at night if we don't put our bed that far off the ground. And, and they, would tell you, they could talk to you about Bible. They could talk to you about truth. They could talk to you about Jesus. And I always wonder, wives still. That went all the way back to the witch doctor. Takalosh. So their bed was that far off the ground. What old wives' tale is messing with you? What's an old lie of the world that you have a tendency to believe? What's something that Satan's feeding into your mind that you're saying, well, well, it's not a real big deal. Paul said to Timothy, telling this group of believers to have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tale. What What does he say? Rather than do that, rather train yourself to be godly. How many of you think about your spiritual relationship as training? 
How many of us are training ourselves to be godly? Now, I recognize people like running, biking. I recognize exercise. None of that stuff's bad. But are we willing to put the same energy into my training myself to be godly that an athlete would put into his activity? I know that an athlete will be involved in self-sacrificing training. I know an athlete's going to have sore muscles. I know an athlete at times is going to have broken bones. But that person is willing to do that because they want to be part of the team. They want to be an effective team member. Are you effective Bible Fellowship Church team member? When it comes to your part in your own personal training for your godliness? Are you, are you willing to put the same effort that an athlete would for its training? Are you training yourself to be godly? Are you training yourself to have a proper attitude and response towards God? I was looking at John MacArthur. That was his thought on that part of Scripture. And what's very interesting is there's only one person, well, maybe two people in this room that really knows your attitude. You and your spouse if you're married. They can read you pretty good if they've been married to you any time, any length of time. They know you. Are you training your heart to have a right attitude towards the cross? Am I training my heart to have a right attitude when it comes to God? This is what you want for my life. Paul's saying to Timothy, hey, Timothy, here's some advice. I'm saying to you, here's some advice. If you don't train yourself well and your attitude towards God now... Guess what? You will meet him face to face. And you will wish at that point in your life that you had done some things different here on this earth. You would wish at that point in your life that you would have stopped and said, Hey, oh, hold on a second, Dad. I've made some unwise choices. It will be too late then now. I mean, sorry, that's interesting. It will be too late then. The choice is up to you is now. Will you focus on the now, the right relationship of your heart that nobody's really going to know about? You can come to church, sit in here, say, oh, they're like sitting in church, the air conditioned nice today, had a couple donuts, coffee is good, I'm out the door. You can look right. Is your heart right? Are you training your heart towards godliness? Am I training my heart to surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Am I training my heart when he speaks, I will say, yes, sir. When he confronts me with sin, I'll say, yep, that's sin. I recognize it. I'm asking for forgiveness. Paul says to Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths or or old wives' tales. Train yourself to be godly. And here's something I think is very interesting to me. Verse 9, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Now, why is that interesting to me? I wonder which believers weren't interested in this trustworthy statement. As I look at this, I'm thinking, is, is, there, is there a group of people that Paul's writing to, sending this thing to Timothy, is he saying, hey, there's some people that don't trust it. Timothy? And you'll read on, we'll read on next week, you'll understand that Timothy's young. Timothy, even though you're a young man, trust it. 
Timothy, even though there might not be a group of believers that gather around you in Ephesus and say, hey, way to go, Timothy, attaboy. We're really proud of you. Timothy, you trust it. It's a trustworthy thing. It's something you need to hold on to, Timothy. Something you need to be willing to fight for. You need to be willing to defend. What's the trustworthy statement? That we put our hope in a living God who is the Savior of all men and especially those who believe. Timothy, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to encourage you. You've got a choice to make in Ephesus. And the choice for you, Timothy, is it based on will you trust the living God? Will you surrender to the living God? Timothy, will you put your hope in the living God? Is my God alive today? He is. I was thinking about different passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 500 Solomon. I thought about John chapter 20, 1 through 8. The disciples that go running to the tomb. Remember the two disciples? They go running to the tomb. They get to the tomb. It's interesting. Both saw the same thing. Both were in the same place. Both saw the little cloth wrapped up over there. Both saw the open tomb. Both had opportunity to look around and and actually really observe what was going on. Only one walked out at that point and really believed. Only one deciphered that information and said, I got it, I believe now. You know what's interesting? I wonder if that one that actually got it, that believed, when he was being crucified, if he remembered going back into that tomb, 20 minutes before he was crucified, did he remember that his Savior was alive? What gave that disciple the hope that when he was dead because he loved Jesus and he wouldn't turn away from Jesus, what gave him the hope to die the way he saved him? Yes, the empty tomb. And if we're honest this morning and we go around and we could talk about one miracle after a miracle, things that God has done for you specifically, why? So you would have hope. So that you could look back and say, yep, He's my Savior. Yep, it's a trustworthy statement. Not because anybody stands up and says anything. Not because you have a Bible, but the Bible says it's true. But because you've seen it in your life. You've seen the life change. You've seen the miracles. You've seen God do things in your life. Did he do it just for fun of it? No. He wanted you to be able to look back and say, yep, there's my father. There he is, I believe. That's a trustworthy thing. Savior of all men. Is Jesus the Savior of all men? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Sorry, Nancy. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter, of chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to our Father in our defense. Who is it? Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice. And I think you should take the word R out of it. He is the atoning sacrifice for your sin, my sin. 
He is the atoning sacrifice for me. He died for you. It's a trustworthy thing. Now imagine, I mean, just picture this. Paul, he's writing to Timothy. He's writing all this down. Timothy, hey, here's a trustworthy statement. Hey, Timothy, he's, he's the one that died for us. Hey, Timothy, can you imagine the thought of going back to Acts? Paul's standing there. Stephen's there. Paul's standing next to the coats. Stones are flying. Stephen's gone. Paul saw it. Paul was there. Fast forward. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 11. We won't read it. Just think about it. Paul. Who is Paul? Chief sinner. Persecutor. Murderer. That's the guy that's writing to Timothy. Share with that church. I don't know about you, but there's, if you think about a person that can say, here's a trustworthy statement. Do I need Paul? No, I don't need Paul. But this is what Paul wants to implement to, to this young man, Timothy. Hey, Timothy, here it is, Timothy. Trust it. Timothy, I was on the other side. I was the persecutor. I was the one standing next to the coats. I was the guy ripping families apart. I was the guy. Trust it, Timothy. He even died for me, Paul. The chief guy, it's me. I'm the one writing. I got it. I understand his grace. But Timothy, you have to trust it. Timothy, you've got to encourage those believers to trust it. And Timothy's encouraging you this morning through the Apostle Paul's hand, you better trust it. Christ Jesus died for our sins. He is the mediator. He is the one that God made the choice to die on a cross for us. And because of that, if you go back and, and won't, you don't have to this morning, but go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7. Paul shares that with his church. He could have said a lot of things to this church, but he said, Hey Timothy, I want you to share this. In a difficult time, Christians were dying. Paul says, Hey, pray for the leaders. Hey, you believers that are struggling, your friends are dying. I want you to know this. God wants all men to be saved. He wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all men to know there's one God. He wants all men to know there's one mediator. There's only that God wants all men to know that Christ Jesus is the Savior. You know what's really neat is? Paul is the heralder of that message. Now think about that for just a second. The one that was the persecutor now becomes the ambassador. That's mind-blowing. Imagine, one of the people that you dislike the most, that said lots of different things bad about you, is now wants to talk good about you. Now, how interesting would that be? So the one that's making fun of you, that's ridiculing you, now wants to be on your team. They want to be part of it. Here's a question. Who are you heralding? How did your ambassadorship go this week? Who did you promote? Jesus? I'm not sure, and I will know one day when I get to heaven, what group of believers in this church ended up being good ministers of the gospel. 
I'll meet them one day. Can't wait. Can't wait to shake their hand and say, oh, wow, that's so cool. You're the ones that, that Paul was talking to. You're the ones that believed it. You're the ones that trusted it. Wouldn't that be interesting? How many of us will be in heaven one day? How many people will come looking for you in heaven? And I realize that Jesus did the most incredible thing in heaven. We're probably not going to be looking around and say, I want to check out, see if you know, so-and-so's in heaven. I want to go say hi to them, and so-and-so's in heaven, so-and-so's in heaven. But who will be thinking about you one day when this passage of Scripture is over? Little boy, girl, grandparent, great-grandchildren. We're thinking, wow, that's, that's my grandparents. They heard Paul's message. They held the sound doctrine. They didn't buy into all this old myths and godless myths and, you know, wives' tales. They trained themselves to be godly. They worked at it. They put in energy and effort. And guess what? Our lives are different because of my grandparents, my great-grandparents. Are you holding on to truth? Is your lives caught up with old wives' tales? Are you training yourself to be godly like an athlete would train? I'm not against this, but I'll be very careful with this. We have, it's very easy for us just to open up a little book, read two verses, and walk away and say, that's my devotion. What kind of training are you doing to become a better son or daughter? I'm not saying you can't read five minutes. I'm not asking, time is not an issue, okay? Some people can spend two hours in their devotion. I'm not, time is not what we're talking about. But when you walk away from the table and the word of God has been opened, is your life changing? Are you different? That's training. When the word of God hurts, or when the word of God breaks you, some of you have had broken bones, so you know what it's like to wear a cast. You know what like the healing process is. never goes as fast as you want to, but when the Word of God breaks you, are you still growing? Will you allow the Word of God to break you? Very easy to sit there and just read it. Oh, that's just a really nice verse. have nothing to do with old wives. Yep, train yourself. Oh, that's just for athletes. That's no big deal. not interested in that. He will one day when he calls your name. See, you've got a choice this morning. Choice to trust, trustworthy statement that there's hope in a living God and he's the savior of all men. You know what's interesting this morning? I don't know if you realize this, but we are a team and it's called Bible Fellowship Church. And I realized over the years when I was involved in athletics, and and if you know me well, I love competition. I just love it. It's fun. And I love to cheer for the underdog. And I kind of like being an underdog, too. That's always fun to me, too. As I think about us as a family, we're a team. How well did we do for our team this week? 
See, if you're not interested in training yourself to be godly, that affects the team. If you're not willing to lay it on the line for Jesus, if you're not willing to be broken for Jesus, if you're not willing to surrender, if you're not willing to be an ambassador, guess what? It affects the team. I realize that there's not one of us in this room that's got it all together. I realize that, there, that this week we've like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've done that. You know what's interesting? I can't fix yesterday, but I can fix today. I woke up this morning. As I sit down with my Bible, you know what's interesting? He's not mad at me. He's not disappointed in me. He's not, when, when I wake up, since he doesn't sleep, when I wake up this morning, it's not like Jesus said, oh boy, here he is again. He wants to come read his Bible and talk to me. Yep, he's probably going to fall in that same dumb sin he did last week, but here he is, that's my son. I don't know. That's not how he sees me. See, I belong to him. He loves me. And he loved me enough to say, hey, here's some truth for you. You know what's so cool? I have no idea the first two words my father will say to me when I see him face to face. I'm not worried about that right now. I want to survive today. I want to train myself to be godly today. I want my attitude to be right today. And let eternity worry about eternity. Read a passage of scripture. It was Psalm chapter 1. A wonderful passage of scripture. But is it part of your life? See, if I want to survive as a Christian, if I want to be an ambassador that counts for Jesus, guess what? I have to meditate on the Word of God. And once I meditate on it, I have to say, God, I want you to do that in my life. We were um, talking this week, and Susan and I were just talking. We We celebrated 21 years of marriage on Thursday, and so we were talking, and and I looked back on it, and we were, you know, just making some comments. And then she just said to me, you know, you're a lot more fun now than you were 20 years ago. And, and she's right. But you know who gets the credit? Cross. I'm embarrassed how I was 20 years. I'm embarrassed. I'm disappointed in myself. You know what's interesting? You know why I was there 20 years ago? So I can look back and now just depend on my father. He allowed me to act like that when I was 20. If it would have been me, I would have kicked myself in the seat of the pants. I didn't see it then. I see it now. I want to be a better ambassador tomorrow. You? Leaving. Oh, yeah, we close in prayer like we always do. The cross is there. What's your choice? Will you choose Jesus when it hurts? Will you choose Jesus when it's not fair? Will you purpose in your soul to train yourself for godliness? Because you're going to see him face to face one day. He's going to come back, he's going to call your name. Will you be in a train yourself to be an ambassador for our Bible Fellowship Church family? We need you. We need every single one of you. With all of our weaknesses and all of our failures, 
He's putting together a team, a team of warriors, a team of an inadequate sons and daughters that become adequate when we fall on our face before him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can gather together as a family. Thank you that you choose inadequate people to be your ambassadors. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today. I'm just asking you to listen. I'm really asking, it's not probably really what's in my heart. I'm begging you to listen. Because when you listen, the world changes. Your life will never be the same. And our family will never be the same. Father, thank you for these words that you've penned through the Apostle Paul, the young man, Timothy. Thank you for the opportunity that we can look at some characteristics, some things that can make us good ministers, better sons and daughters. I pray, Father, that we would just wouldn't think about these things, that you would burn them into our hearts, through the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives. Be obedient to Scripture. Our lives will be different because of you, Jesus. And as Harrison has prayed, if you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor Todd, this all sounds confusing to me. This all doesn't make sense. Maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe it's confusing because there's never a time in your life that you said, you know what, Jesus, I believe. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son that if you believe in him, you should not perish but have everlasting life. You're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor, I've never put my faith in Jesus. I've never asked for forgiveness. It's not about specific words. It's not about coming forward. It's about you and Jesus sitting in your seat, and you can say something to this effect. Dear Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm asking you to forgive my sin. In your name I pray. Amen. It be something as simple as that. Father, use us this week as we go out of ministry. If you'd like to pray with somebody, we have the What Next ministry out the back, second door on the left. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather together as a team. Send us out as warriors to make a difference in our communities. May our lives show your love and your grace. In your name I pray, amen.